ESPN dropped their new and updated metrics projecting what's going to happen in the ACC. What does the numbers tell us about Clemson and their odds? We'll get into that next on the Locked On Clemson Podcast. You are Locked On Clemson, your daily podcast on the Clemson Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Clemson family? Welcome back to the Locked On Clemson Podcast, your daily podcast covering your Clemson Tigers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your boy, Damian Parson, always on the ones and twos. You can find and follow me on Twitter at DP underscore NFL. I'm a national scout over with the Draft Network, as well as one of the co-hosts of the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Guys, happy Monday. Thank you all so much for making Locked On Clemson your first listen today and every day, Monday through Friday. I appreciate you all so much for being my Clemson Tiger family, but as always, being my every single day is nothing but love and respect for y'all, man. But I got a nice show for y'all. Uh, we're gonna talk some ball, we're gonna talk some ball. Four star, uh, 2024 offensive tackle and on the prowl puts Clemson in the top five schools. Uh, check the tape, cornerback Nick Wiggins. What does the tape tell me in terms of what to look for? What's his strengths? What's his, what's his concerns uh, heading into the 2023 season? As, and then we're gonna start it off with the ESPN ACC projections and predictions based off the numbers. But before we do that, guys, we gotta give a quick shout out to FanDuel. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sports book of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com/slash Locked On today to get started. Family, ESPN dropped uh, an updated uh, projections for the ACC, the outlook. Uh, for the ACC and in the main thing that you know Bill Colony, one of their staff writers you know doing you know numbers and kind of you know looking at it from that aspect you know he recapped the 2022 season talked about Clemson being that team um, that you know uh, won the, the 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 conference or divisional you know uh, title the ACC title and um, so looking at what he has right now uh, for the teams, right? He broke it down even into tiers, guys. You know, and it's I, I, love, I love that type of stuff, right? You you, you solidify. So I, I'll kind of run through real quick. Tier three, uh, he's like teams that have less than three percent chance to win the ACC and uh, in, in the ACC title odds: Wake Forest, Syracuse, Duke, Virginia Tech, Georgia Tech, Boston College, and Virginia. So no surprise there. Tier two, uh, we have North Carolina, Louisville, Pitt. Uh, Miami, NC State, Wolfpack, all those teams are 10% or below. And then the tier two, I mean, tier one, it's only two teams. And we know who those two teams are Clemson and Florida State. Florida State uh, has a 28% chance, and Clemson has a 29% chance. And when you look at, uh, you know, and I have the link for you guys to go check out um, if you want to go look at it yourself, but um, it'll be in the bio. On, on YouTube, um, but what what it is looking at here, they have uh, Florida State and Clemson very close in terms of average wins and conference wins. They have Florida State at nine point three average wins and six point three conference wins. They have Clemson right behind them with nine point four average wins, six point two. So again, they're very close, and there's there's definitely a drop off to Louisville. They actually have Louisville. Over North Carolina, even North Carolina has the better quarterback, who one of the best in the nation than Drake May. 
but that's just kind of where it is, right? So you you think about these are just these are the odds that they, they came up with, and um, you know, you talked about the fact that when you you look at offensively, you know, that's that's the really truthfully, guys, that's really the biggest question mark for most of these analysts that are predicting for college football where Clemson is going to land and rank. Is is they they're concerned about the offense and what the offense is going to look like, what that means, uh, so forth and so on, and, and I get it, and. and I don't I, I want you guys to understand something. Don't take it the wrong. I don't even hate that they, they feel that way, right? It's it's new offense, right? New quarterback. You know, um I believe he has Clemson projected as a top 25 offense, has him uh, projected to be uh, the 21st offense in, in the country with the number 11th defense. And that to me, that tracks. I that's why I said don't don't trip because I I I get this. Like Clemson's defense. Top 12, potentially, you can make a case for top 10, right? And, um, you know, and like I said, this is per his analytical model. So, you, you know, it is what it is. And then, you know, but he has Florida State offensively ranked at 19th, which I'm, I, it, that should be a little better than 19th. They got some absolute studs to the, to the transfer portal, and that's why Florida State is viewed as the biggest threat to Clemson in the ACC because no one has as well-rounded of an offensive cast um you know keon coleman johnny wilson trey benson jordan davis jaheim bell uh you know the offensive line yeah like they you know mike norvell who's a you know saw him down you know uh, spent some time around him at the the senior bowl great guy you know i I see why players want to go play for him uh and everything like that but yes so you know when you think about just that in general i i get it i listen I 100% understand, like, why, you know, you would have Florida State higher. I think Florida State should be, you know, just a little bit better than 19th, but defensively have them at 14th. They're good defense as well. So Clemson and Florida State are going to be up until the, the start of the season, and not even just the start of the season, right? It's just throughout the season. No matter what happens when they face each other, if these teams are close and they they're on the collision course right now for the ACC championship game. And I'm going to tell you right now, that's big money, Florida state, right? The Seminoles, Clemson Tigers, it gives you all of the nostalgia, right? So for me, looking at what Clemson is going to do and what they bring, like, like you, you look at this defensive talent, man, you know, defensive tackles, Rook, Aurora, Tyler Davis, Xavier Thomas, Barrett Carter, who's a linebacker that for some reason I, I know why he feels that Barrett Carter is a nickelback. Barrett Carter's a linebacker. Uh, you know, he he's just very, very talented. You know, he's a little undersized, like 6'1, 225. But Jeremiah Trotter, and, and just the list goes on. You know, Nate Wiggins, who I'm gonna talk about in the next segment. Uh, you know, Andrew McCuba, who I talked about, you know, on uh, it was Friday show, you know, in, in terms of checking the tape. So, guys, at the end of the day, to me, when you really understand and you look at what it is, I don't mind where they had like it, it's very simple. Like I said, the collision course, it, it, the the course for the collision is already paved. Clemson and Florida State have to go out there and handle business. They got to go out there and take care of business and and and. and Walk out there, week one's handle. I think Florida State has LSU. Of course, you know the, the squad. You know t- the, the Clemson Tigers have Duke on the road, eight o'clock ESPN, big primetime game. You know, what I mean, if, if, with the Duke Blue Devils, who have the cast of characters themselves in terms of NFL talent. So wide receiver, quarterback, 
defensive line, you name it. You know, they, they have some guys, just not a lot of big name guys, but guys that this is a game for them to make themselves big name guys. So you're going to get their best punch, their best kick, their best elbow, their best body slam, you know, for all my wrestling fans and, and or MMA fans, you can get the best right hook for the bo- for the boxing fans, the uppercuts. You can get the best of everything that they're going to bring to you. But at the end of the day, like this is a moment where Clemson and, and Florida State have to handle business, come out the gate, right? Expectations will be like, even though people are sleeping on the, the offense, or I would say it's just kind of underreading the offense because of the changes and everything like that, which I totally understand. I still believe that the expectations at the end of the day are still high because if you're the two teams that are expected to be in the ACC championship, if you're Clemson, you can't lose to Duke because then you got Florida State, I think, week four or five. So you can't lose two conference games, right? Like, so you can't go through, you can't run through that. You can't put yourself in that position no way, no how. So at the end of the day, man, I, I think that's probably the big thing is just I don't mind where, where, the, where the numbers or the model, the analytical model has Clemson, like I said, 21st in offense, 11th in defense. I, I'd rather be ranked too low in the sense and then shock people, right, and, and prove them wrong than have them say, Clemson is a top five offense, and then Clemson ends up being the top, you know, t- uh, bottom 20, you know, bottom 20 offense, they're 25, 20, you know, top 25, but they're 24th, right? you rather them, hey, you know what, they're 21st. And then they, by the time the season ends, Clemson's 12th, 13th. And it's like, you know what, we beat the expectations. So expectations are always going to be high. Um, this is the Clemson Tigers, right? National champions, Dabble Sweeney, Trevor Lawrence, Deshaun Watson, whatever, whatever. It, it, the expectations will consistently be what they are. But now it's all, it's all about meeting those expectations. I trust Dabo and this, and this coaching staff to get these guys ready. There's a lot of NFL talent uh, and, and ready to, to really rock and roll and do what they have to do. So, But, guys, you're talking about doing what you have to do, rocking and rolling. One guy that I'm, I talked about, you know, probably my first week, uh, you know, first week doing the pod was, uh, you know, a guy that I'm excited to see was Nate Wiggins. I think he, he was a, be a X factor, a big time player for this team. And then they're going to need him to be, well, I went through the tape. I studied them because, you know, of course, not just for this podcast, but for my scouting, my scouting job as well uh, with the draft network, I studied Nate Wiggins. What does the tape tell me? We're going to check the tape of Nate Wiggins, cornerback from Clemson coming up next. After game four of the NBA Finals, the Denver Nuggets took a 3-1 lead over the Miami Heat. So, guys, there's no better place, no better time to make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet does not win. Uh, you know, with what I love about betting with FanDuel, guys, you get great promotions every single day. The app is safe, secure, super easy to use. You won't have any complications, especially with the great promotions. They have something to everybody's liking. Uh, you know, and, and of course, as always, as I tell you, you get paid instantly. That's the best part, not just to win money, but to win money and, and, and earn that money and get that money instantly. There's no better place to bet on all the playoff action in the NBA than America's number one sports book. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and get a no sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's uh, FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel is the sp- official sports betting partner of the NBA. Checking the tape, ladies and gentlemen. Let's get into it. Like I said, we we I debuted this to you guys uh, last week on Friday uh, to to go into the weekend. Um, you know, with safety Andrew Mukuba, 
And uh, you know, I want to bring it back because, I, like I said, I've, I've kind of gone into through the tape and really studied multiple games of a couple of these defenders. And, and it was starting with the secondary with Makuba and Nate Wiggins, 6'2", 185. Um, and, and for me, man, the height, the weight, a uh, height, wingspan, uh, he's he can be a disruptive perimeter corner in the NFL. And, and, and you know, when I look at him, I, I, I like – one thing I noticed is that he plays a lot more bail tech and cover three where he's protecting the deep thirds, uh, you know, the deep third portion of the field from the deep ball and you know, staying on top of routes, being the, 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 the deepest of the deep, not allowing, um, you know, passes over the top of his head or, or receivers to stack him. And, 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 you know, competitive, his football IQ is really strong. And this is a first year starter, by the way, guys. So I was, I was impressed with his football IQ in general. Uh, the ability to read route concepts and everything that's going on in front of them. And so mostly you see him in off man and cover and cover three type of zone coverages, smooth um, and comfortable with his, with his bail, bail drop and whatnot, just kind of uh, what we call side saddling, you know what I mean? Crossing of the feet, you know, good hip, good hip leverage and uh, in, in, in pad level as well to be able to, and it allows him to to have smooth transitions, right? Because when, typically when you're in that type of drop and you have an outbreaking route, can you now uh, go from your hips being parallel and facing the opposite sideline? Can you now flip turn and drive on that out route that's going to, uh, that, that's attacking the sideline behind you, your sideline that you're protecting, right? So, uh, you know, you see that ability with him, uh, you know, footwork, and, and he does play some press man. Uh, he is patient in that regard, being able to uh, just allow, if he doesn't feel that there's a speed threat, oh, no, he, he's not concerned. He's very patient. I, I like what I saw from him in the contact window. He's not somebody that's going to be super physical. Uh, that's certainly not his game. He don't want He doesn't really feel the need to do that. Even though he has the arm length and the wingspan to, uh, like I always talk about, boxing from your, from your uh, comfort zone, he doesn't have to do that. You know what I mean? He, he could if he wanted to, but he's more of a soft press, allow guys to do all the dancing and releasing. And once you d- dictate and once you choose your path, then he'll give a quick jam. He gets into the hip pocket and he tries to squeeze to the sideline. He does a lot of face guarding and that has some good and bad to it. Face guarding. Typically uh, you, you play chest to chest. It's one of the techniques that cornerbacks are taught. You play chest to chest and you, you eliminate space. But you have to turn around and look for the football, for one, which he does a pretty solid job of, too. Uh, but, you know, it could – if you're not reading the body language, the eyes and hands of a receiver, man, you can get caught with DPIs, uh, holding penalties, things of that, things of that nature because you don't know that the ball is in flight and it's coming in your direction. But also, in terms of the run defense, he's not the most enthusiastic run defender. I didn't see a guy that gave the, the most, you know, like he really wanted to get into the action. Uh, he's if, if it comes his way, he he's not going to shy from it. But I would like to see just that trigger and that, act, that activity. Like he doesn't really, you know, attack and get downhill to be a force defender in the run game as much. Um, but when he is engaged, I think he does a good job squeezing and leveraging gaps, showing his colors to a running back. So the running back doesn't want to bounce it too wide outside. He wants to cut it back up. And when you cut it back up, you force that force that ball carrier to take it back to the teeth of the defense, whether it's safeties, linebackers, what have you. But, again, one of the things that I saw with the phase guard against the run is that Nate tends to, because he's phase guard and he's focused on his matchup, 
he forgets that there's a potential of the run and guys are able to, the ball is able to be ran in his direction because he's not aware. He's not turning around and looking, uh, especially with release with certain receivers. Now you have some receivers who are just like lollygagging, like, Oh yeah. Some guys try to block you and sell that it's a run. And then he knows, okay, that's what he triggers and, and keys and diagnose. Okay. Uh, he's trying to block me. It's either a screenplay or run play coming. Then he turns and looks for the ball. But if you get one of those guys who are a runoff threat where they're not supposed to block, they're just to run you off the run you off the line of scrimmage where they run a route and they run vertical and now they got you chasing them or running with them like it's a normal passing play, and now they're, they're running back fifteen yards you know upfield and they're behind you now. By the time you turn around, you have to make a play in open field. So it's those type of things uh, with, with Nate. I think he's going to be he right now projects as a day two type of prospect, but you know he's competitive. Uh, you know you, you think about that Florida State game right? Johnny Wilson, six foot seven, two thirty, two thirty five at receiver. He was tar- uh Nate Wiggins was targeted seven seven times in that game. He only allowed two catches, and there was one uh, versus Johnny Wilson, <clears throat> which was very impressive to me, where he's playing kind of um, you know uh, flat footed catch technique, giving cushion uh, to to the receiver that's not up on he's not up on the line of scrimmage. But Johnny Wilson gives him a little jab step, you know, does a good job resetting the line of scrimmage and releasing four or five yards upfield, swims over uh, with a long arm long arm over Nate Wiggins. And then Wiggins is playing out of phase, so he's you know he's working to catch back up and get back in phase. Does a good job getting back in phase. The pass isn't the most accurate because I think Makuba was coming back over the top, but he put it where the big six foot seven guy can make a play, and he made the play initially. But just the, the competitiveness to not give up on the play. Nate Wiggins gets back into phase. He he he, uh, he sees the ball. Uh, sees the ball into you know come into the hands of of Johnny Wilson and then he he plays physical gets his hand in there rakes through creates a, a pass breakup and doesn't allow a big explosive play down the field uh, like I said and that's the thing guys the competitiveness even when you're beat you got to play you got to get back in phase so that you're not beat you know what I mean because if that quarterback throws the ball and if you lollygag or get down on yourself you know early in the rep that's a touchdown. And Nate Wiggins doesn't get down on himself, and I appreciate that, and I love that about his game. I think, you're, like I said, at the end of the day, he's versatile. He can play some man. He can play some man. I think he's better in zone and playing off coverage and things like that. Where he, you know, he he has a, he's a good click and close. Uh, really allows you know guys to. You want to throw the quick hitters? Cool. I'm gonna come up and make a tackle, and he does that, and, and I appreciate that for him. Uh, and even playing, especially like I talked about playing that catch technique, he just does a good job squatting on routes. You know, you see a guy that will sit and squat on routes and limit separation at the break point if there's no threat of speed, if he's not afraid of it. And then even when he is threatened with speed, right? Zay Flowers, who was what twenty, the twenty third pick in the in in uh, the twenty twenty three NFL draft, went to the Baltimore Ravens, a four three four four athlete, dynamic and explosive. Tried to you know when they played Boston College, they they tried to isolate one on one with Nate. Tried to run a double move. Nate didn't bite. He didn't take the cheese. Uh, you know, got got uh, hip to hip uh, down the sideline on, on the go ball, on the double move. Uh, you know, like I said, getting and squeezing, eliminating that space between him and the receiver. The ball, get they get into the end zone. The ball is coming. He turns around, locates it, and swats it away. You know, you would like to see maybe go up and make a play there, try and make the interception. But either way, creating a pass breakup to where if that's third down, now they got to kick a field goal, right? If that's fourth down, the game's on the line. Now you just save the game. So at the end of the day, I think Nate Wiggins is a good quarterback. And there's just some things I want to see from him 
uh, to continue to get better uh, technically with his footwork and different things of that nature uh, with his back pedal, kind of high hips and high shoulders, uh, shoulder pad level, which can kind of limit and, and segment his transitions. But nonetheless, guys, I think this is a very talented uh, corner. And like I said, you think about the Seattle Seahawks and some of these other teams that play a lot of, a lot more cover three and, and they, they appreciate taller corners. I think he can step into that. Guys, but you're talking about stepping in, right, and, and being – uh, just a force. The Clemson Tigers on the proud. The 2024 class move up from what 13, 11 to the top five. Well, they got their eyes on an offensive tackle that can even improve where they're ranked right now. So coming up next, we're gonna get into on the proud. On the proud, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, listen, I appreciate y'all for tapping in with me as we close out this fun episode. Thank y'all for making Cle- Locked On Clemson your first listen today and every day and being my everydayers, guys. Looking at what's going on, like you talked about, right? Moving up, uh, moving on up, and, and to continue to move on up in these rankings to the 2024 recruiting class, where we're fourth right now. Shout out to Dabble Swinney and the crew. Uh, they have their eyes on the prowl. They're on the prowl for a four star 2024 offensive tackle, Fletcher Westfall, 6'7, 295. And guys, I'm telling you right now, <laughs> this kid has, has played Clemson in his top five schools. Right. He tweeted that out recently. And, and, and listen, at the end of the day, that's what you want to be. He tweeted that out, you know, April 30th, a couple, you know, a couple months ago. But, you know, he and the teams that are in that top five, that's been that top five with Clemson. Uh, so, of course, you have Clemson, you have Auburn, you have Arkansas, Florida and Georgia and battling with Georgia. And I even went to 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 check out the um, the, the kind of prediction from one dot com. You know, uh, so one, you know, they're one of the be- better and bigger recruiting um, you know, sites in the game right now. Just the interface, everything looks so clean and cryptic. They're phenomenal. I love their work. Uh, but I, I was kind of checking them out and looking at the, you know, they do predictions. And right now they have, um, they have Clemson at a fourteen point six um, prediction over Georgia. Georgia has, is is uh, both. You know, all these teams out. You know, Virginia Tech's even offered this kid, right? But the teams that you know that right now in in range or in threat. Clemson at 14.6, Georgia at 11.2, and Arkansas at 9.6. Um, and, and then I think where you look at the classes and where they're um, where they are ranked at the particular time, I think what's interesting in my opinion is you have Georgia at uh, their class. I think their class is ranked number one, right? They they, they have the number one recruiting class right now. If I'm not mistaken, of course, Clemson is at four. And guys, I got into the tape, man, and, and I have to say this: this kid's the real deal to me, man. Fletcher Westfall <laughs> is the real deal, ladies and gentlemen. Let me tell you right now: and, and for a six-seven, two hundred ninety, almost three hundred pound kid, he is well built, nice dense frame um, and body type. But he's got strong hands. You talk about the grip and latch strength to control the rep once he gets engaged. Oh, yeah. I see a guy that can move bodies off, you know, move bodies and move people off the line of scrimmage in the run game. Uh, I love the, the, you know, I always talk about, you know, Mike Mayock and he coined the phrase dancing bear. Fletcher Westfall to me. Uh, epitomizes that nimble, quick footwork uh, to mirror rushers, whether they're going inside or out. He can mirror guys, right? I think, you know, again, this is ahead of time, but you know, you think about going watching the combine, right? For offensive tackles, for those who watch it, 
And you see them going through the lateral drills where the, the, the coach has the ball and they're telling them to go left, go right. And they're telling them when to, to move that direction. Right? They're inching them three, you know, three, four seconds to the right. Now they got to change direction, go back to the left. And you see, okay, who's, who's restricted, who's quick, who has the, the, the stamina, who has the quick, the, the, the footwork, so forth and so on. I think this kid will absolutely demolish that drill because he is the real deal and, and like i said the, the quick nimble feet the dancing bear his wingspan is at his advantage well six foot seven he he knows that i talked about it with, with, with nate wiggins as, as a cornerback same thing for offensive tackles you box from your landing spot you block you box from your comfort zone right same way if you watch boxing and you see the tail of the tape and somebody is um deemed as having the length and the wingspan advantage those are the guys that you know what you can't get inside to, to give me body blows and body shots and, and, and hooks and whatever to my frame because I'm just going to jab you. I'm going to stay outside, you know, and now you have to take some to get some. And that's the same thing with rushers. For guys that rushers are dealing with longer arm tackles, you have to take those punches from the tackles, defeat those punches. It's, a, it's such a process. You got to defeat the punches from the tackles, get underneath their hands and get to the body where you can get your punch off and then you can win. Again, it's a it's, it's a process, and if you can't win, do it quick enough, especially at the NFL level, the average time in the pocket is what, 2.53 seconds? You, you know what I'm saying? You don't really see a lot of quarterbacks have four or five seconds unless they're really creative with their with their uh, legs and their mobility. Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, you know, uh, you know, Jalen Hurts, guys of that nature. Even Kyler Murray, when he's healthy, you know, is able to do do similar things. So uh, he understands how to control the rusher and um, you know take the the wind out of the pass rush. He, he can quick set, jump set, and not only that, but what I really I'm gonna tell you the the the, the, the best part to me, and this is something that is not seen a lot from younger tackles. His feet remain active. Not is he's he's not just someone that uh, engages and uses his upper body strength and starts to lean. For one, he keeps good uh, good for six foot seven, hip level right, pad level. Uh, the, the 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 bending at the knees, everything is smooth and good, you know, and really clean, in my opinion, for what I saw from this young man. And and our best way to describe him, he's a full body blocker. He not he does not stop his feet once he's engaged. Because you see some guys when you're watching tape, you see some guys they get out in their kick slide, they make they make or, or their jump set, whatever, um, diagonal, whatever whatever set they use, they get engaged, and it's all upper body, it's all physicality, right? It's all that's what you know it just trying to be brute, brutally strong and, and, and their feet stop moving. And it's like, okay, now you're leaning on the defender. Now the defender, once he starts to realize that now what he's going to do is what we call push pull. Okay. I'm, I'm going to push you up, push you back and then use your momentum and yank you back down. It's a, basically the opposite of the snatch trap that often the tackles use where they push you and then they throw you down. You know, they trap, they snatch you and trap you back down to the ground. So, you know, he doesn't give, uh, defenders that type of opportunity. He's a full body blocker. I absolutely love this kid. The crazy part that he's four star. Uh, I just I don't understand that. I think he should be. You know, when you look at the physical tools and the power, the play strength right now at, at his age and his body type, this kid is more than likely gonna get up to about three hundred five to three fit three ten. I, I would I would not be surprised. I think max form should be three fifteen. The middle ground three ten three hundred five, and he gets up to there. You know, like it continues to fill up that and gets that grown man body. Whew, we're talking about the 
potential high first round pick. I really enjoyed watching Fletcher Westfall's tape, and I think this young man is extremely talented and someone that we need to keep our eyes on. But guys, that is on the pro again. Like I said, Georgia may be sitting at one, and, and, and of course, the two time national champ they should be right. Kirby Smart's doing the dang thing over there, but at the same time, Clemson is on the prowl, not just for the recruits, but also to get up in the top of the recruiting, and not just on the prowl for recruiting, but on the prowl for wins, ladies and gentlemen. So stay tuned with me here, man. As always, I appreciate y'all, and I always tell you, go subscribe and follow for free on YouTube, especially on audio, Apple, and Spotify, so forth, uh, to, to get the latest episode as soon as it's available, or wherever you listen to podcasts, right, to get the latest episode as soon as it's available, guys. Um, as always, I appreciate y'all for making Locked On Clemson your first listen today and every day for being my everydayers, my Clemson family. Go Tigers. You know what I tell you. Uh, as always, man, st- stay tuned with me. Tap in with me. I'm going to have more checking the tape, uh, more eyes on the league and looking at more Clemson players that are in the league. What's going on? Uh, who, who's got some pressure on them? How's OTAs and mini camps going? I'm going to have more of that. You know, I'm gonna st- Like I said, tap, tap in to some mini camps to see what's popping off and what's going on, right? So, but as always, guys, I, you know, in terms of Twitter, you can find and follow me there at DP underscore NFL. Uh, come and join the conversation again tomorrow on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Go Tigers.